off we go. All right. So we are working through God-sized questions and having God-sized conversations. Um, uh, there'll be questions at the end, so uh, as, if questions come to mind, uh, be sure to write those down and we can ask those. Uh, last week, last week we talked about uh, why is there suffering? And God's relationship, his role in suffering, how he uses suffering to, to show us our sin, to show us our need of him, and ultimately to turn that suffering into glory. That that is, that is the ultimate answer that God has given in Jesus, that yes, there is suffering, but suffering can be transformed into glory by the power of Christ. Now with that in mind, we're looking at uh, a related question. Uh, what happens? What happens to the believer? What happens... Really, in heaven, what is that glory going to look like? That if that glory is our ultimate uh, hope, if that is the greatest promise that we have, if that's what's supposed to sustain us through all of this suffering, uh, we need to really understand what heaven is going to look like. What it's going to look like to see all of that suffering transformed into glory. Now, you guys have a lot of questions about heaven. Uh, just a few of them. Uh, will animals be in heaven? All right, the related... Uh, quintessential one. Uh, do dogs go to heaven? Will my dog be in heaven? Uh, do pets go to heaven? All that stuff. Uh, more people ask that than I'd like to, to say. Uh, are there different levels to heaven? Uh, how does the resurrection body work? Um, kind of how, do, how do we get to those resurrected bodies? All these questions. All these questions. Uh, I think the most quintessential one, the maybe fundamental one is uh, what is it actually going to be like? My favorite question was, uh, was a statement, not a question. Talk more about heaven. All right. So we're doing that. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, so that we might have hope for the future and hope in the present. Uh, so we're going to have kind of three main questions here. The first question is going to be, like, what is the, what is the pathway that's going to lead up to heaven? How are we going to get there? Then second, uh, what is heaven physically going to be like? How are we going to experience it? And then third and, and final, what is it spiritually going to be like? What's it emotionally going to feel like? Uh, it's just probably the most difficult question of all, which I will only kind of scrape the surface of because I don't know. But with that in mind, uh, let's pray and let's, let's talk about heaven. Father, we thank you that you have answered um, all of suffering and sorrow and sin with, with glory and beauty and restoration. And Father, we, we ask that this heaven that we say we, uh, we believe in might be real to us. That it might be a real place. That our desire and our longing and our, our heart might actually be there and not, not dwelling here on the things of the earth, but but lifted up high to be with, with Christ. Father, would you um, just give us a, a great joy in the promises of heaven and uh, an excitement to be with Jesus ultimately. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right, so first of all, first question, uh, what does the actual process look like of, of getting to heaven? All right, so uh, the first step can look one of two ways. All right, either Christ comes back 
in our lifetime. He comes back. We see the, the heavens part and Jesus comes down riding on that white horse. All right. We're told that that could happen at any time. Uh, we, don't, we don't know. It's a thief in the night. Someone asked actually that question. Uh, when is Jesus really going to return? And we're like, uh, we don't know the answer to that question. Uh, we're not going to do a sermon on that one. Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen. That could happen tomorrow. We're supposed to live as if that's going to happen tomorrow. But if that doesn't happen in our lifetime, there's another way that we're going to, this is the pathway to heaven is death. Is death. Now, that's where they can make us kind of, um, we can mess up and say, oh, well, like, oh, then, then death is our, our way to get to heaven. Now, that's never how it's presented in the Bible. Death is always a sorrow. Death is always a, a horror. Something people mourn over, something that God says that he hates and he wants to destroy. But, but death is the pathway. And so, what happens at death? What happens at death? Well, first you have to understand what a human being is. A human being is, is two parts, combined together, interlaced, body and spirit. Body and spirit. We're embodied souls. All right, so what happens at death is that human, human, humanity, humankind, is, is kind of ripped apart. That the spirit and the body are separated, which is this horrible thing because it's never supposed to happen. And the body, the body starts to return to dust. Starts to return to dust and it, it waits for the redemption of Jesus for the resurrection. All right, some of you ask questions about um, cremation and are, is, that, is that allowed? Is that, does that destroy the, the resurrected body? Um, all of our bodies will, will turn to dust, will return to dust. Cremation kind of speeds up the process. But that body is our body. It is, it is part of us. So at a, at a funeral, like, we don't say, like, oh, this, this is not the person. No, this is half of the person, which is why it's so horrible. But that body, that body rests. That body waits. And the spirit, the spirit goes on to, to what we call the, the third heaven. All right, that's another question. All right. Why, are there levels in heaven? Are there, like... Is there like the, the silver level and the gold level and the platinum level? And like if you're really good, you make it to like diamond ultra and you get to board the plane first. All right. Uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. All right. So there are levels in heaven. Um, the Bible says that because, all right, first level is the sky. All right. So the sky, the clouds, generally that area where the birds fly. All right. Second heaven is the stars, the moon, the sun, that level. Third heaven is, is where God is that we cannot see, and our spirit goes to that third heaven to be in the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now that, that is our, our hope. That is where, Christ, where uh, Paul can say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because yes, we have some Christ here, but upon death, our spirits will be in the very presence of Jesus, conscious, aware, We'll know and we'll see Jesus. All right. Now, oftentimes, that's where we, we stop. And we say, okay, like, we have made it to heaven. But there's a problem there. That's, that's not the full story. 
And if we stop there, we end up cutting off so many of the promises, so much of the beauty of heaven. Because that is not the ultimate final heaven. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way we're going to get stuck forever. Because first of all, that's not full humanity to be floating around as a spirit up there. All right, we're supposed to have a body. We're supposed to interact with creation. We're supposed to do things and, and enjoy creation through our bodies. Bodies are not evil things that we're trying to escape. All right, the sin that you have in, your, in yourselves is not sin that's attached to your body. If only your spirit can get, get out of there, then we're fine. No, this, the spirit and the body are, are corrupted by sin, but we're made very good. And so you want the body again. You want that body that's turning to dust to be resurrected. All right, that stage of heaven is also, it's not the full redemption, it's not the full work of Christ. That what we're, we're so excited about is not like, okay, I just want to escape from this world and you know what? I don't care what everyone else is doing. No, we do care. We care that there's still sin in the world. We care that people are still dying, that there's still suffering and death and, and horrible things happening. We want to things, see things made right for the enemies to be held accountable, for, for Satan to be brought down. And up in heaven, up there, kind of that first stage, that's not the full blessing of heaven. That we're not supposed to just be kind of floating around ethereal, playing harps, uh, kind, of, kind of wandering around in the clouds. All right, that's not the beautiful picture of what heaven is supposed to look like. And so at that point, at that point, yes, we are with Jesus. We are worshiping him. We are in his presence. We are conscious. But we are also waiting we were waiting, waiting for the full promise of heaven to come. We were waiting for what's called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when Jesus finally returns his second coming. And when he comes, he doesn't come as a baby this time. He comes as a king. And he comes as a judge. He comes riding on the white horse with a sword in his hand. And on that day of the Lord, everyone will be judged. We look at 1 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, there were a lot of questions about this because people were thinking, well, wait, why, am, why do I need to be judged? I thought Jesus was, died on the cross for me. I thought he bore the judgment. I thought you, he gave me your, the perfection of Jesus. Why then am I subjected to this? All right. It's a good question because all those things are true. But what this judgment is, it's testing to see if your faith is really in Jesus. If you're actually connected to him. If you love him, if you have glorified him, if you want to, to see him lifted up more than you want sin and death and evil lifted up. And so we will stand before that, that throne and we will stand in judgment. And we're not asked the question, did you put your faith in Christ? We're tested to see if we put our faith in Christ. Because real faith comes with real works and real repentance and real things that were done out of love for this Jesus who loved us first. And at that point, we will, if we're shown to have these good works, we'll be rewarded for them. 
Or it will be shown that our faith is not real. That our faith was a, an illusion, a delusion that we created. All right, that can be really scary. And that's why I want to remind us, like, don't put your faith in the works. The faith are never in your works. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and the works will follow. Love the work that Jesus has done, that he has paid for your sins, that he has given you this resurrection life. And then, then love him as you say you do. Put your faith in your heavenly hope and, and express it in, in works. And that's where, as you do that, as we live the Christian life, as we, we are changed and sanctified, we're actually getting prepared for heaven. All right, that's what partly, like, so a lot of people wonder, they're like, well, if, when I put my faith in Jesus, why don't I just, like, zap back into heaven and I'm done? I did everything I needed to do, right? All right, the, the time after you come to faith is a preparation for heaven. It's an investing in heaven. It's a, a conditioning for heaven. All right, so an analogy for this. Uh, when astronauts go spend time in space, what happens to them? They, they come back messed up. Because for a long time, they haven't used, they haven't used their, like, stood or had any weight on their bones. So their bones sort of get brittle and weak. Right? Their muscles have atrophied. Because they haven't had to do anything, they're just floating around. And so when they come back, they're, they're not ready to be on the earth. It's a whole different world to them. And so what do they do up there? They, they have to work out. They have to pretend that there's gravity. They have to work like they live in a world that, is, that they're not living in at the time. All right, that's what sanctification is in a lot of senses. That we're being conditioned for heaven. And so we're giving suffering. We're given opportunities to express faith. We're called to, to glorify God and to enjoy him more than anything else because that's what will happen in heaven. We need to fall out of love with sin or we're not going to want to be in heaven. We need to love glorifying God or else we're going to get there and we're going to hate heaven. All right, we want to actually be there and want to be there. So to test and say, okay, do you really have good works is, is a test of faith, but it's also a preparation for your life there, for the new heavens and new earth. All right, so you make it to the judgment. You make it through. You're revealed to have real faith. What happens then? All right, that same exact body that was turned into dust is resurrected. It is perfected. It was glorified. That was you in the grave, and this is you again. That body and the spirit are united together. And now you have your perfect glorified body. You'll be young forever. You'll run and not grow weary. You will have no pains or aches or, or weakness in the body. And now you're ready, a physical person, body and spirit, for a physical heaven. And that's where that last stage is. Jesus, he brings heaven down to this earth right here. And creates a physical new heaven and new earth. Physical, tangible, real. Now we see images of, of the day of the Lord. And it's, it's images of, of fire. And we think, oh, the fire of judgment. like It's just going to destroy everything. 
totally wipe out this whole earth and then God's just going to like put a new one there. It's a replacement. A replacement for that old sinful earth. All right, that's never how God does it. That's never how God does it. When Jesus raised from the, rose from the dead, he didn't give Jesus a new body. He, gave a, he resurrected and glorified that old body. That's what happens with everything. So when that fire comes, it's not going to destroy everything. It's going to purify everything. And it's going to wipe out the sin in creation and leave them perfect and glorified as beautiful as possible. God is recreating and redeeming and restoring all things, not destroying them and replacing them. All right. At that point, we will be in the new heavens and the new earth. A real, physical, right here, heaven that we can touch and, and walk on and see. All right. So the next, that brings us to our next question. Our next question is, uh, all right, what is that physically going to be like? What is it going to be like to be in the new heavens and new earth? All right, first of all, what are we going to do there? What are we going to do there? All right, many of you are, are scared of heaven because you're convinced that you're going to put on choir robes and, and sing gospel music for the, for the rest of your whole life. And you're thinking, like, that sounds miserable. And Randy might be happy, but no one else will be. Like, <laughs> he'll be up there in his sparkly robe, and we're just like, well, we're back here again. Um, all right, that's not, <laughs> all right, that is going to be part of it. And we probably should be more excited about that part than we are, but that's not the whole deal. That's not the whole deal right now. If, if we're called, okay, we're supposed to worship God, that, like, half an hour we spend singing songs, it's not the time that we worship God. That's not the only time. We're called to worship God in everything that we do. We're called to enjoy God in everything that we do. And so, in the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to be always glorifying and worshiping God, but in doing everything that we do. And in doing a, a number of activities. So, what is something you could do in, in the new heavens and new earth to glorify God? All right, you could design a building and work with all the people together and, and build the building to the glory of God. All right, you could drive a car to the glory of God. Go snorkeling to the glory of God. You could drink coffee or go running or climb a tree. Like all of this stuff is present in the new heavens and new earth. You could play a video game. You could like watch television. Some of you are like, that can't be in heaven. Like, no, you can. It can't. Everything, everything that is, is created good and is good is going to be present in the new heavens and new earth. None of these things are evil. And that's where we have to ask ourselves, like, are there things that we think are too, too modern or too mundane or too unspiritual that, that they couldn't possibly be done in heaven? Right? That's a problem with us, actually. Because there's nothing really in that category besides sin. And so many things can be done to the glory of God, and they will be done to the glory of God in the new heavens and the new earth. So this, is, this should be kind of exciting. Because we have a whole perfect, redeemed creation before us. So if you want to learn languages and talk to the people in every tongue and tribe and nation, like, you can. If you want to be like a master brew, like beer brewer guy, like you can do that. All right. 
Everything is open to you. There will be art, there will be technology, there will be other people to have fellowship and community with. It is tangible and real. All right. Uh, all right, so now we get to the silly questions. Um, considering that, there's some implications. Uh, are there animals in heaven? Are there animals in heaven? Yes, there are animals in heaven. All right, is there a verse that says that definitively? No, but, all right, in creation, animals play a huge part. We have to say that. And if God's going to redeem the whole earth in the new heavens and new earth, He's not going to redeem all things and then like throw out all the animals in the space. All right, this is not what he's going to do. He's going to redeem even them. And we see like metaphorical passages about that, that the lion and the lamb will lay together, that the child and the viper will play together, that that fire will, will wipe through and cleanse even the animals of the sin that has affected them, the sin that came with the fall. All right. Uh, that takes us to our favorite question. Uh, Will your pet be in heaven? All right. All right. Does Fido make it to heaven? Does Fluffy Poo get to make it to heaven? Um, all right. Uh, first aspect of this. Uh, heaven's going to be better than we can imagine. And so please don't do the thing where, like, you're assuming and saying, well, if, if Fluffy's not in heaven, then, like, I won't be happy. Like, you know what? I think God has the potential to give you something so great that you, like, forget that Fluffy ever existed. All right, that's a category, and I'm fine with that. And we can't be like, oh, like, it, the more we, we situationalize it and say, like, I need this to be in heaven, I need this to be in heaven, like, we don't just bring all our favorite idols to heaven and worship them there. Like, we get better things. But could God resurrect Fluffy and, like, you meet him on the way up? Like, sure, he could. He could. There's nothing saying that he couldn't. Um, we have no verse that says yes or no. So we'll put it in the category of maybe. All right, so parents, when your kid's hamster dies and they ask, like, is it, is it in heaven now? Like, well, I see it again. You can say maybe. All right, don't say he went to hamster heaven. There's no separate heaven. Uh, <laughs> he might be there when you get there. When you get there, you might not care. All right, that's what it is. All right, so maybe. Uh, are we cool with that? Is that fine? All right. I hope, I hope we're fine with that. Um, all right, finally. All right, so that's what heaven will physically be. We can talk more about that. You might have questions about that. Uh, but what will heaven be like spiritually? What will it be like spiritually? First of all, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more suffering. There will nothing to, to weep about. There will nothing, be nothing to, to mourn over. That all of that suffering will be turned to beauty and glory for ourselves and for God. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
This is our Lord God literally drying our tears. And once he has dried those tears, there is no more tears to be shed. And we have these promises that our weeping, our mourning will be turned to joy and laughter. That death will be turned to life. That the rich, or that the poor will be turned into the rich. That the, the least of these will become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Alright, at that point, those who suffered the most will be the most glorified and the most joyous in heaven. All of those things truly will be transformed. And we have a guarantee that those things are transformed because Jesus already did it. We have seen his suffering turn to glory and to beauty and to joy. That's what's going to happen to every single person and every single instance of suffering in our lives. It'll be transformed to glory. All right. Second, there will be no more sin. No more sin. No more suffering, no more sin. Now, I don't think we really understand how, how amazing that will be. Because we talk about Jesus being victorious over sin. That he defeated sin on the cross, but it hasn't actually penetrated our lives yet. We are still have sin in us. And every single second of every day, we are, we are polluted and we are corrupted by sin. Our relationships are marred by sin that our enjoyment of life and our, our enjoyment of other people are marred by sin. And so we asked the question like, well, uh, can I sin in heaven? Is God going to cast me out the first time I sin? Like, no, you can't sin in heaven. That's the whole point. And what, what, what that looks like is uh, sin is a disease. And the reason you keep sinning is because you are, you are enslaved to that disease. It keeps infecting you. But once you make it to, to heaven, you are perfectly healed. And not only are you healed, like you are given the things that you are looking for. You're giving, given the things that you wanted, ultimately. That right now we live by faith. We can't see or touch or taste the things that are promised. But when we get there, no, we will have it fully in our hands. We will, we will have the joy and the pleasure that we were looking for in sin all along. And we'll realize that sin was just this disgusting amateur replacement of what actually is the greatest thing in the world and true unadulterated joys. All right, maybe we ask the question, um, well, if there's different rewards and, and different people get different amounts of glory in heaven, how will we not be jealous or are competitive because there won't be sin. There really won't be sin. And all of that competition and all of that pride and all of that jealousy is just rooted in sin. And so when that sin is gone, we will actually love that person more than we love ourselves. And we'll be able to rejoice with them and be legitimately excited that they have those rewards in and of themselves. We might even be happier that they have them than if we had them. We take it even further. We'll be so into the glory of God that we're going to be happier that they glorified God better than us because it's not about us. It's about God's glory. 
And we're to say to ourselves, like, I'm glad that you glorified God so much because he deserved more than I gave him. I wish I had suffered more. I'm glad you did it. God deserves that. We all should have suffered more. We all should have given up more. We should have sacrificed. We're not going to be competitive and prideful and resentful. God's glory is going to overwhelm all this other stuff. And I can't wait to, to meet. Like, you guys, I can't, get, I can't wait to know myself free of sin. That we're actually like, we have no idea who we are because we are so enslaved. But in that place, we'll be truly free. And free to be like our full selves without fear or anxiety or judgment or competition, inferiority, all this stuff that just gets in the way. That's part of the beauty of heaven. All right, but the last one, the last one and the most amazing that I think we cannot get our heads around, the real beauty and blessing of heaven is we get to be in the presence of God the Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. That heaven starts with a wedding and we are married to our first love to Jesus Christ. And we get to spend eternity with this one who before we'd done anything had chosen to love us and had agreed to die on the cross for us. Had endured suffering and sorrow and shame. But as he was on the cross he said forgive them for they know not what they do. That that one who sees every, every sin, who knows the, the evil in our hearts, he'll be with us and he will love us for all eternity. And we'll get to actually enjoy that relationship with Jesus. That we'll get to look upon the face of our Father who rejoices over us, who delights in us in spite of our sin, who gave his only son for us, and we get to just bask in the glory of the one who is all beauty, who is all perfection, who is all love, who is all grace and mercy for us. All right, that is what heaven is about. Then when Revelation gives the, the most beautiful picture I can give up, the, the capstone of what heaven is, Revelation 22, 21, 22 through 23. I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. There's nothing to get in between. We don't have to go to a building to find God. No, God is right there. He is with us. And the, the city has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. That we just get to bask in the glory of God, the beauty of God, the perfection of God. What ultimately we have longed for. All the things that we've been seeking were ultimately God's face. And we will be perfectly content, filled with pleasures beyond our imagination to be with him forever. That's what we're looking forward to. That's our greatest joy. That is, that is heaven. It's about Jesus and being with him. It's about the glory of God and enjoying it. All right, so what do we do with all this? What do we do with this? If this is not your life and your hope, you'll have no power in this, this life. 
If God just asks you to suffer and there's nothing later, then we're just masochists. We're just destroying our lives for nothing. All right, this is our hope. This is our joy. We need to learn to, to develop an imagination for getting there and an excitement of seeing God and a love for Jesus that we would have longed for nothing more than to, to be with him. So think about heaven. All right, like you see a nice car go by and you're like, oh, I, I want that. Like, no, I'll wait for my heavenly car. You know, it'll probably be better. I can wait. Like, oh, I just really want to take a vacation to Tahiti. Like, yeah, just do it in heaven. It'll be better. It'll be better weather. There won't be hurricanes, like no mosquitoes. It'll be a better trip. All right, that, that is our hope. That's the thing that's sustaining us. That suffering actually will turn to glory so we can suffer and, and we're willing to suffer when we're called to. All right, but there are certain things we can't do in heaven. There are certain things we can't do in heaven. All right, we cannot share Jesus Christ in heaven. Each week we're told to, to go, go reach people with nothing but Jesus. That can only be done right here and right now. No one can be saved in heaven. No one can be evangelized in heaven. Another thing that can't happen in heaven is we can't actually suffer and sacrifice for people in heaven. We can't gain eternal rewards. We, that, that is done right here and right now. And we're called to do it for the future joy out of faith that those things are coming to us. All right, finally and ultimately, what does this mean? Like, get Jesus. To live for this life is utter foolishness. And your works will never be good enough to make it to this heaven. You will never love God enough. You will never be perfect enough. That's why give it, Jesus on the cross gives us his perfection. He gives us the love that he has for God. He gives us his holiness and he takes away our sin. Right. Sinners don't make it to heaven. Redeemed people who have the perfection of Jesus go to heaven. And let's get excited about going there. And let's run the race that we might get there for the joy of it all. Amen? Amen. All right. Question time. The first service destroyed me, so this <laughs> is rough. Cal, go ahead. Yes. Yes, I would think so. Uh, but we know that they'll be uh, like the angels in heaven, so they won't be given in marriage. Um, do I know why? Do I know why? Oh, right. I'm supposed to ask what the question is. All right, will there be male and female in heaven? All right. Yes. Uh, what was your follow-up question, Kala? Why no marriage? Why no marriage? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we will be married to Christ in a, in a way that I think is, is beyond our imagination that we don't fully understand. Um, I don't know if I know why, but just that it is, yeah. Yep, yeah, Norma. Peter, I know that at the, at the coming of the Lord, the res, the res, like the end, right. um, it says that our, we're going to be raised. Right. So, do our souls, when we die and our body gets put in the grave, do our souls 
where is that third heaven? Is is actually is it right beyond the physical veil that we have, or does the soul rest with its body? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Uh, I'll say the things that I think scripture is clear about and things that we don't know. Um, where is heaven? I don't know. Um, it's described as, as up there, but obviously it's, it's in somewhere else. We can't see it. Um, I think we have pretty clear pictures in scripture that, that the, our spirits do go, go, do go to that place and are present with Jesus. That... Uh, Jesus says to the, to the prisoner on his side, like, you will be with me in paradise. And we see, actually, the, the spirits of, of people who have passed, like, in that heavenly place, even speaking to God himself. Um, I think when we're saying that they are raised, I think we're thinking of the bodies, that the spirits are put back in the body, raised up, and, and that's the imagery there. Right. Follow up? Um, <laughs> Come on, Norma. Yeah. <laughs> Right. All around us. And so to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, the Lord is here, so is it just beyond the veil? Uh, You know? Right. And I I think that's where Jesus is both omnipresent and he's, according to his, his divine nature, and he's present in one place in his human nature. And I think when we're saying we'll be present with the Lord, we say we'll be with him, his, his human nature, be able to touch him and see him. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's just beyond the veil. I, we, I, know, I know that that's like, uh, that kind of thing is said often, but I don't, I don't know if we can say more than that. Yeah. The people who have passed, they're not here with us, so they have to be present with the Lord where he is, even though he's here with us as well. There is a dividing line. We don't have like, spirits flowing around here on earth. They're and it happens as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, Amy. I think that, that would work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I have, I know people that talk about, you mentioned we're two parts. Yeah. Body and spirit. I know people that have the concept of yeah, three part. Three part, yeah. Uh, what's your, and I'm going to have a follow up after this. <laughs> uh, but how do you explain that we are a two part and not a three part being? Yeah. Um, that's too much to get into, probably. Ah, oh, the question was. Uh, <laughs> this is this is for the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for reminding me. Um, are how do how do we prove that humans are are two part, not three part? Are they body, soul, and spirit, or body and spirit, soul? Um, there's lots of scriptural debate and argument. Uh, we can't really get into it now, but yeah, I'd love to have that conversation. Yeah. Okay, and then the follow up. All right is uh, you mentioned that they're both corrupt. Our spirit and our body are both corrupted. Right, right. Um, when Colossians talks about us being new creation, right. or our new creatures, new okay. right. our new self, and right. is that just our spirit being cleansed and we're waiting for our body to be cleansed? Or what does it mean when we are um, our spirit no longer corrupted as we come to Christ? I think there's always going to be some indwelling sin, even in our spirit. So we are new creations in the sense that we are, our ultimate slavery to sin is broken. But 
we are still then able to sin and able to not sin. And we can kind of return to the old man and do the actions of the old man and sin still. Um, I don't think that's because of the body corrupting us. It's just because we are not fully sanctified, not fully glorified. Um, does that... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would just take a little bit of discussion, but I'm just right. kind of curious on what would be new about us. Then, just yeah, the, the, new would, the new would be the freedom to then do true good works to the glory of God, which we were not able to do because we were enslaved to sin before. Right. That that's the newness, and that'll be... Glor that'll be like consummated, that new man will be consummated, glorified when we make it to heaven. We are new but not necessarily cleansed. New but not 100% yeah. perfected, yeah. All right, yeah, John. You said earlier that time after you come to faith is conditioning for heaven, so what does that mean for those that like confess on their bedside when they're dying? Right, uh... They're probably going to get a lot less rewards, first of all. Um, there's not time to, to suffer, unto, to kind of gather the, the suffering and the goodness unto glory. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll have a rougher time of it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. I don't, I don't fully know, John. Cal? Okay, yeah, so uh, angels were given the same freedom that mankind was. Oh, what was the question? Uh, uh, all right, so it, when, when, Lucifer, when Lucifer was in heaven, obviously he sinned. So then, uh, can you sin in heaven? That's why I'm saying uh, you can't sin once you've been glorified, a glorified humanity. It's not that in heaven you couldn't possibly sin. It's that we can't sin in heaven because we'll be glorified. So Lucifer was given the same free will that mankind was to sin or not sin, and he chose sin. Uh, yeah, Rob. Yeah, I have one question, but that leads me to one quick question first. If you give me a dollar, you can have two questions, Rob. <laughs> Right. Around us, right. Actively going on, and as we go to heaven, we're removed from that warfare state, obviously. Or when the new Jerusalem comes, another judgment that you know that's the end of that kind of warfare. Or that's really not. We don't have. Ooh. That. All right. So, so Rob's question was: um, there is spiritual warfare that we can't see and is going on all around us. When we go to heaven, are we removed from that battle? And when the new heavens and earth come, is that battle kind of over? Uh, that second question, it's easy, because yes, the battle is totally won. Satan is totally defeated. They're all thrown into hell and punished forever. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's where Satan, just so you know, like Satan doesn't rule hell. He's not there yet. When he gets there, he's going to not like it there. All right, he doesn't rule there. He suffers there. He's punished for what he's done. Um, in terms of humanity being taken out of the new heaven, or out of the battle once they go to, uh, I don't know, Rob. I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> That's the quick question. Come on. All right, here we go. So, 
what's the best what's the best way to make sure that we're centered that we're like doing things presented to us for the glory of God versus I'm doing them or falling into a pit I'm doing them to get the rewards I'm doing them to get to heaven you know the Hindu Right. He's good because he wants to get good back karma. Okay. He treats a starving dog nice because that could be his uncle or something reincarnated and went down to a lower caste system. You know what I mean? So he wants right. to find himself right. to get something. Right. So, so how do we discern a lot of things to make sure, look, you know, am I really on the right track here doing this workation? Right? Even if it seems mundane or whatever's presented before me and something. Or am I falling into a trap? I'm trying to get something out of this to get a reward. Right. You know I mean? Right. Uh, I think we can be. I think we can be too. Like scripture, scripture doesn't doesn't present that problem as yeah. as as much as we feel it. Um, it says that like, you know, what, do do it for the reward. The reward is great, and to do it for the reward is to act in faith that God is is going to give us the things that He promised in Christ, and actually to enjoy the reward is to enjoy the the gift of God, to enjoy the giver and the gift. So. If you're kind of using God as a means to an end, of course, that's not, that's not right. But you can get, in, get excited about the gift without it being kind of idolatrous or replacing it an enjoyment of God. Um, of course, enjoy him as the greatest gift of all and the greatest reward. And then reward all the things he's giving in turn. Yes. Yeah. All right. Last question, Amy. Right. Well, would it make maybe we wouldn't need that, but we wouldn't need that, we wouldn't be sad about that, we would, because we're, you know what I mean? Okay, I think that's going off the assumption that um, if we remembered the things of the past, we would be sorrowful about them, and that can't happen, so we must forget. All right, I'm going to say instead, we will understand those sorrows and those other things as they work for the glory of God, that when we remember them, we won't be sad. Not that we won't be able to remember them. It will so change our thinking about them that the glory we now understand and see will wipe out the sadness of those memories, not the memories themselves. Does that answer your question, Amy? All right. Yes, we'll still remember. We'll still remember. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to cut us off there. Uh, come, come talk to me. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, um, we thank you that you're an incomprehensible God and that there is an eternity for us to, to ask questions and to, to get to know you and all the things that you've been doing, how you turn suffering into glory. And so, Father, would we have great excitement in getting to know you and getting to be with you and getting to um, experience all that you are. Father, would you... Uh, Give us excitement over heaven. Would you get us excitement of being with our first love, Jesus Christ? And Father, would you give us um, a life that fights to get to heaven, um, that does not fight to, to get all the things on this earth. Father, that when you look at us, you would say that we are not worthy of this, work, this earth because we are made and fit for heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name.